happy Monday, or is it? Welcome into the PHNX Cardinals podcast presented to you by the DraftKings Sportsbook app, America's top-rated sportsbook. Be sure to like, subscribe, leave us a five-star wherever you get your podcast. Johnny Venerable, Bo Brock, Damian Anderson, and here I was thinking we were getting a nice, neat little victory Monday ahead of Mexico City, and we got two pieces of critical news, the first of which being an absolute shocker. The Arizona Cardinals, per the team now, have released former seventh-round pick Eno Benjamin. Even Adam Schefter calls it a roster surprise. And, Bo, you had an opportunity to talk with Cliff Kingsbury before this news broke, and he Mm -hmm. was asked about Eno Benjamin's snap total being reduced to zero offensively yesterday in the win against L.A. Now this happens. What do you make of it? Well, it was was one more than zero, one more than all three yesterday. And it was strange because we had talked to Cliff Kingsbury maybe not even a half hour before Adam Schefter reported this news that Eno Benjamin was going to be released by the Arizona Cardinals. So it was kind of shocking. And Tyler Drake of Arizona Sports 98.7 asked him about the limited snaps that Eno played, just the one on offense. And, and Cliff just said, look, you know, James Conner's finally 100% healthy and that it's it's time for him to take over the starter's load. And we saw a workload, Damian, that was unlike anybody ever would have thought about for a guy like James Conner, who's oft injured in his career, uh, 96% of the snaps. You know, Eno was out-snapped by six-round rookie Keontae Ingram, and, and I'm wondering if that played a part. You know, maybe Eno's representation went to the Arizona Cardinals today and was like, hey, what's up? But it is strange just that, you know, Cliff – didn't allude to a release coming, and then you know we we ask him pretty much point blank about Eno, and then we find out he's released pretty much a half hour later. I, I got it. I I'm pretty skeptical that he didn't know at that point that this was coming down. Guys, you you have to take it at face value, right? I mean, your actions show you, you know how how you, how they feel about you, right? So obviously they feel as though that Keontae is the better better back. I believe this is totally football related in terms of trying to make room for maybe guys coming back or finding opportunities with 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 Ertz going down. But I mean, it is a shocker, Bo Johnny. I mean, with the fact that the the type of information that we've gotten from Cliff RB one. I mean, he knows yeah. look great. I mean, he's sung his praises all off season on how he's picked up the offense and how they could do different things with him in the backfield. And it may just be a situation where Keontae showed the coaches enough. Um, you know, throughout the season thus far. Right. But it, I wonder if there's levels to it, as I always say, and that it's, you know, kind of saying, hey, we're going to get, you know, we're going to get some of my guys rather than your guys and making some decisions. I don't know. I just wonder if that's if that's a play into it. Aaron Lee with maybe my favorite chat I've seen in some time. Hey, gang, how are you guys? You guys are doing a great job covering the season. I became an annual member to support you all. Thank you so much. My first question is, what the fuck? What the fuck indeed, Aaron? Um, Here's what I will say. If you don't think where you're drafted matters in relation to where you're at in good standings or not with the roster, go ask Andy Isabella, who got a free ride for the better part of, what, three-plus years and was a second-round pick and didn't accomplish a tenth of what Eno Benjamin accomplished, but because Eno, number one, plays running back and was taken in the seventh round, he got his ass cut today, which makes 99.9% of Cardinal fans, especially in Arizona, very upset. And I I push back on the notion that, I, you know, I hope it's not anything off the field, but I also, I can't wrap my head around, well, it's just football related. James Conner gets injured frequently, multiple times a year. 
and he is not built, and we saw it this year to start the season, to take 100% of the workload. And so I'll push back on Cliff Kingsbury saying, well, you know, we're giving him his number one touches back. Well, we tried that, and he got hurt, and we tried that last year at the end of the season. He got banged up. The perfect complement is 60 to 70% James Conner, then an Eno, mm-hmm. then a Chase Edmonds kind of role, and maybe that's going to be Keontae Ingram. But I am just, I am very, very disgruntled by the fact that James Conner gets hurt. Eno Benjamin leads the team in yards per attempt, yards per carries. He runs hard. He makes no money. You've got other players on this roster that are underperforming. Running back, for whatever you think about the position, the Cardinals value it enough to, they carried five coming into the season, right? Mm -hmm. Daryl Williams is out. Bo, I just, I can't wrap my mind around the fact that this couldn't have waited till the offseason. You really think <laughs> removing Eno Benjamin right now in the middle of the season, he just started a couple games for you. He was on fire against the Saints. I'm not, this is not a knock on Keontae Ingram, who, by the way, our, our own <clears throat> DA helped get ready for the NFL combine in the offseason. We're big mm-hmm. Keontae Ingram fans here, but it's a young man's game. Running back is a young man's game. This is a guy that was dominant in the Pac 12, comes to the Cardinals and is a good player. And now he's off the team. Yeah, and look, what makes it even more head-scratching, guys, is his ability to play special teams, his his ability to be that Swiss Army knife and play any role that the Arizona Cardinals have asked of him and more. I mean, this is a guy that kicked off in the Carolina game and and did it quite well. I mean, he was – you know, it it really is – I don't know. I I think that this team – is it roster gymnastics? I know D.A. had said that as we kind of discussed this a little bit. You know, are we going to see – I mean, we're truly not going to know what this is until tomorrow unless Schefter or Ian Rappaport comes to the rescue with an insider report on this one because, you know, what he provides to this team is is more than just being a backup running back. It's it's clear that they don't envision him taking over the Chase Edmonds role. It's it's clear that – the coaching staff uh, wasn't completely sold on Eno Benjamin, you know, being the running back that that everybody wants him to be, especially the people that that bleed maroon and gold and watched him start at Arizona State all those years and be a, just a beast in in the Pac-12. It's it's a strange move. It came out of left field. I, I felt like I I would be shocked if the rest of the roster wasn't blindsided by it. Really, and just trying to add find some logical reason for it. It, it only points to me towards, you know, are they doing it in the best interest of the player? You know, was it to maybe give him an opportunity after being outsnapped by Keontae Ingram yesterday, his representation saying, hey, what gives? And say, hey, look, trade deadline's come and gone. Maybe we'll give you an opportunity to go find some PT elsewhere. Guys, I, I just can't see that happening. I mean, I know it's been some time since, you know, I, I played in the league, but I just don't. I mean, unless, to your point, guys, unless you're that first, second round, maybe even a third round pick that's getting considerable playing time, I don't see a guy's representation reaching out to the team. I think this was a decision like, hey, we evaluated. We see the higher upside in Keontae. Um, but it doesn't make sense given the, I'd say, questionable availability of James Conner, right? And Eno's come in. He's been serviceable. He's allowed this team to do what they do offensively. But, I mean, I don't think – it it doesn't make sense to a lot of people in the fact that they, you know, they do have a lack of depth problem, you know, behind James Conner. And maybe it's a situation they hope to get him back on waivers. But to me, I'm from the book. Like, hey, if you let me go, you know, necessarily, you don't always deserve to get me back. So hopefully he finds another spot, you know, just another family member of mine. You know, shout out to Isaiah Hodgins. We don't play him. It's in the NFC, but he signed with the, uh, you know, with the Giants, and he had a big game uh, yesterday. So, but that's just the nature of the beast, guys. I mean, it happens. You know, I've 
got cut multiple times. It sucks, but one man's trash is another man's treasure, and hopefully somebody sees value in Eno and and or he comes back on the team. But Keontae's another great back. It, it sucks. It's part of the game, and as as we know, unfortunately, shit happens, guys. I would be surprised. I told you guys off air. I could be wrong. I hope I am that 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 he gets doesn't get picked up off waivers, given that he started NFL games two weeks ago against the Kicked Saints. Off. And 12, made a for, 12 for what, 91, 92 and a touchdown against the yeah. Saints on national TV on Thursday night football? Like, maybe he's not a starting running back, but, I mean, Cliff called him uh, RB1A RB1. in the offseason. Yeah. And the fact that, like, okay, who's your depth chart now? Keontae Ingram's number two to James Conner. Mm-hmm. Then what? It's a bunch of, like, Tyson Williams and Corey Clements and a bunch of yeah. journeyman ham sandwiches. And so, again, I don't want to, like, poo-poo Keontae Ingram because I think that is the sub bullet to this story is like, here's a kid that was recruited from Texas and transferred to USC and was a like four-star recruit that they clearly think that he can be a, a focal point, a staple in their backfield. And I've always argued that Kyler Murray and Cliff to a lesser extent, but Kyler needs a big back to function because he can't go under center because they struggle with short yardage. That has always made sense to me. And you saw it last year where they finally got James Conner there in the fold and and it, things started clicking, right? And so I'm pro big back with Kyler Murray, but just have it have it be at a point where in the off season you make the transition. Right now, like Eno Benjamin can probably help you down the stretch. You've got to go conceivably five and uh, five and two, win five out of seven to get in the playoffs at the end of the year. And you're a James Conner injury from having to go to a six round rookie who we all love. And then no depth behind him, no critical yeah. depth. And it took Eno Benjamin a couple of years to learn Cliff's playbook. I don't know, but I just I have I have a hard time looking at the big picture when again he makes no money. You have depth mm-hmm. concerns anyway. And who's available that you could even go pick up? I mean, you could make an argument that with Kenyon Drake and how he's running in Baltimore, like if they went and picked up Kenyon Drake before he we went to the Ravens and they cut Eno, then we could we could that would make sense to us. He's been in the system. He's been in RB1 elsewhere. But, like, that time's coming come and gone. You mentioned that the trade deadline's over. So you're going to go practice squad hunting? Or, to Damien's point, like, you feel like, okay, I got to get help for Trey McBride. We got to add tight ends. Mm-hmm. We're going to bring back Hollywood. But I don't know. I look at the grand scheme of this team, and it's they don't have enough depth to cut Eno Benjamin, in my opinion, today. Yeah, as far as what Eno Benjamin was able to do, and you can look at the advanced analytics, and he's averaging 3.39 yards per after contact per rush. That's just behind Aaron Jones in the NFL for 16 tackles, missed tackles on 69 attempts. I mean, those are not numbers to just turn your nose up at. That's Those are solid numbers from any running back in the league. This is a guy that when we, given the opportunity – he performed for the Arizona Cardinals and then some, as you mentioned, leading the team in, in average yards per carry. Maybe it plays into, and, and I think you really have to look at the roster gymnastics. As you mentioned, you know, we've got the Ertz news that came out uh, that he's reportedly going to miss the remainder of the season with a knee injury. Do that, yeah, this is per Ian Rappaport. Now, I did see Adam Schefter saying that they're seeking a second opinion on this, but it's, it's realistic that Zach Ertz could not play another down the rest of the season. You know, do they try to elevate a guy or sign Max Williams for the practice squad and they just needed that spot? Or, you know, do they go out there? Do they need to sign another tight end between now and practice on Wednesday to get somebody up to speed? Or is this the harsh reality that, you know, they didn't have to face early in the season that in a one back system, 
you you can't carry as many running backs and, and or Eno Benjamin was a casualty yet, but it's still, you know, what he was able to do and, and, and how much he did for this Arizona Cardinals team through 10 weeks. Uh, it's, it, it doesn't make sense to me. And, and I'm, I'm, ex- I'm, I'm really intrigued to see what comes out next as far as this Eno Benjamin story progresses. Guys, I think why it hurts because we've seen the productivity given the lack of productivity with this offense, right? Some of the yeah. bright spots have been Eno Benjamin, you know, his game against New Orleans. He had some, you know, some flashes against Carolina, but he's always, every time he stepped on the field, he showed up and it wasn't anything that he wasn't going to try to do, right? Whether it was blocking, we, we mentioned, you know, before the show started, he was on kickoff return and we saw him, in, you know, playing teams. But I know that Keontae has a big upside, Johnny, to your point regarding depth. I think that they need him given the question, the questions of, of Connor's health throughout the long term, the remaining of the season. And Keontae is just unproven. I know running back is a position that you could get guys, bring them off the street, and they're going to be, you know, efficient, you know, pretty much learn the system a couple plays here and there, learn protections, and they're good to go. However, just missing a guy like that, a spark player like you know, he, he always seemed to show up uh, when the lights were, were shining. Good comments in the chat. Eno was a dog. Anytime he got on the field, he did produce in some way, shape, or form. And again, no one's making an argument. He's a franchise back. You're going to pay him a bunch of money. He's getting 100% of the carries. But he had a role, and he was good at his role. And now that role has been eliminated, and who picks it up? And we're all big James Conner fans, but he averaged 3.3 yards per carry yesterday. He averaged under four yards per carry last year, right? We're not talking about Nick Chubb here. James Conner mm-hmm. in the right situation with Cliff Kingsbury is electric, can score touchdowns, can make Pro Bowls, but he should never be given 100% of the carries. He should not be on the field 90-plus percent of the snaps. He will wear down. He will get hurt. And I think that they, for whatever reason, have forgotten that, and, and they need a compliment. Now, if they come out this week against the San Francisco 49ers and it's the Unleash Keontae Ingram 30-35% of the time, awesome. But if Keontae Ingram comes in, misses a blitz pickup, for instance, fumbles the football, mm-hmm. and we hope that doesn't happen, that there's going to don't, don't you, put that on him, Ricky Bobby. I'm not going to. <laughs> don't, I have, don't it's put gonna, that I know on you're. Him, I know Bobby. you're hurting, Johnny. But come on, it's going to be the debauchery that was kind. You know, mis misreading the kicker in for, situation. So, uh, but I do want to talk about the Zach Ertz, you know, issue. He goes down yesterday. We all think it was an ACL initially. Then Adam Schefter, a little less than 21 hours ago, said that. Things were looking better. They think it's intact, that being his ACL. And now Ian Rappaport, Bo, as you mentioned, in front of the program, saying, no, 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 he's out for the year. We don't have a definitive um, analysis as to what it was and how long potentially he's, he could be out. After the fact, I have not seen the second opinion come up on my Twitter feed and my DMs. But I, he's, he's, I don't think he's coming back this year. I think that's a minimum two-month injury. I think it could be very similar to what we saw with DeAndre Hopkins last year. So now it forces Trey McBride into the fold. Trey McBride, who was playing a lot, Bo, he's not getting those targets now. We talked about it at PHNX Cardinals postgame show yesterday. His route tree now has to go from 0 to 100. Now he has to become that underneath safety blanket. And while I feel like he has a bigger upside than Zach Ertz because of his youth and athleticism, you you worry about the mistakes, the mistakes being made from a kid who played football at Colorado State last year. Yeah, it's a guy that doesn't have the full bag of tricks that Zach Ertz, who just had his birthday and he's, what, 32 years old now, yeah. uh, had with all that experience over a decade worth of, of games under his belt at the NFL level. You're going to have to have a very green 
rookie tight end who played in the Mountain West, not a Power Five con- conference, albeit he, he was very successful. It was an absolute beast. It was the tight end of the year last year. But we've seen what we've so far for McBride. He had some crucial penalties the previous week. You know, things that he has to clean up. Uh, but just being able to find the soft spots in the defense and being able to play off a guy like DeAndre Hopkins, all those things that Zach Ertz kind of knew how to do, you're going to have to kind of learn on the fly and take your lumps with a rookie. Now, I don't think that – I mean, you're still going to take the good with the bad, right? Because I think that as far as playmaking ability, you've got the fresh young legs of McBride. And I remember in training camp, see him kind of moss a couple people, and, and he's got that ability. But we, we'll see how much confidence, A, the coaching staff has in him, and B, you know, his, whoever his quarterback may be, if it's Colt McCoy or Kyler Murray going forward. Guys, he's going to have to step up in a major way. I mean, we're sitting here at, what, week 11, and he's gotten four catches for 31 yards. Yeah. And I know that we talk about, you know, being upset about Eno. They need depth. They need, Rob, you know, Anderson, the tight end, had a drop yesterday. So they need some help at that tight end position. There's some familiarity with Max Williams. So it may be a situation where Ertz is gone and they need to elevate some guys. And Eno, unfortunately, was the odd man out. But this is going to be a situation where he has to step up. You know, you, you either – piss or get off the pot. And I think it's a great opportunity for Trey McBride to show who he is as a player, who he is as a, you know, as a person, who he is as a pro. I mean, there's nothing like opportunity, you know, staring at you in the face. And I mean, there's a reason we always talk about this, Johnny, you just mentioned it a little bit earlier, being a second round pick much is expected out of him. And, and I, and I know that, you know, everyone's aware of a, of a former wide receiver that finally got cut this year, but big things are expected for Trey McBride when you take him in the in the sec, you know the second round. I mean, I, yeah. I'm sorry, there's going to be some. You expect him to be Zach Ertz ish, right? You expect yeah. him to go out there, have some flashes, make some plays, and I think we're tired about seeing him on kick on kickoff return and blocking people uh, on the line of scrimmage. I think you want to see that athleticism. You want to see him in one-on-one. Bo, and, and as you said, see him awesome people out there. Because, you know, at this point, what's the point? I know you have Zach Ertz, but we've talked about this. You know, Cliff is an offensive mastermind. Why Why did it take till now to a player getting hurt? Then we Did we not see the combination of those two players on the field at the same time? Because to me, that would cause problems for any opposing, you know, defensive unit and linebackers. You guys, he was inactive to start the year for what, like there a couple games? It was a joke. Finally, he's gotten on the field, and, you know, I'm not making excuses for him. Tight end is a very difficult position to come in in the league and dominate. Like, it's, and not everybody's Kyle Pitts, right? Cole Komet, who's lighting the world on fire for the Chicago Bears, who was a second-round pick out of Notre Dame, and he had like 200, 250 yards his rookie season for a bad Bears team that had no weapons, so they gave him the football. But I, I do think now – it's Cliff has to just come to terms with the fact that like we got to see what this kid can do. Let's see if he can provide an upside because we, I think we all feel like with somebody like Trey McBride, he is a rhythm type of player. Feed him six, seven targets and get him going and get his confidence going. Whereas like one pass every two quarters, he's he fumbled the football yesterday because he's like, oh shit, I never get the ball right. He, we have to get him in the mindset like you saw all throughout training camp, Bo, when you were at practice. Like this is what I do. I am a yeah, I'm a I'm a, I'm a good pass protector I'm a good run blocker but I'm here to catch the football and make plays he was by far the most productive athletic tight end not only during the season last year and he won all the awards he was the Mount West player of the year male athlete of the year in any sport he went on senior bowl combine and dominated and we need to see his domination you know at the NFL level in some form we need to see those flashes and speaking of flashes I had a flash in the pan bet yesterday on DraftKings that went kaput 
Justin Fields and company were this close from getting the dub that would have paid out plus 700 on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. And I may or may not have bet against the Cardinals in a parlay. Don't kill me. But listen, at the end of the day, it's Sean McVay. He's Arizona Cardinals' daddy. You're but thankfully, You're not they loyal, became. Really. I am loyal, but I'm also, I'm, you know, it's my wall. I'm also loyal to, to the dollar bill. And so here's the deal. New customers can make any $5 NBA Moneyline bet. No CP3 tonight for the Suns, but I wonder if you could get them at plus money. Here's what you can get. $200 if your team wins. All you got to do, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use that promo code PHNX. That's promo code PHNX on DraftKings. And uh, you're going to be able to get that $200 if your team wins. Sign up now. New customers. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See those show notes for details. We are officially a week away from the U.S. kicking off their World Cup season. Cannot wait for it. Taken on Wales. And we've got the watch party that you want to be at. And you can get your seat right now. We're talking about us teaming up with Four Peaks for our World Cup watch parties to watch all U.S. and all Mexico men's games starting with next week's opener. Enjoy beer specials, giveaways, guest appearances, and more. $3 Kilt Lifter, $3 Wow Wheat Pints. Just say you're hanging out with PHNX. U.S. Mexico rosters recently dropped. You can go look at those and think about the possibilities less than a week away as far as that goes. We're teaming up with Four Peaks to host all the U.S.-Mexico World Cup matches at their H Street Pub. Check out the link in the show notes. Register for free because I guarantee it right now. That you're not going that you're not gonna be able to find a watch party that you can just stroll into and just get a good seat. You're it's gonna be you're gonna be shoulder to shoulder, you're gonna be penguins bunched in a in a pub, and you don't want to do that. You can get your seat today, reserve it in the show notes, do it right now. Watch the US, watch Mexico, take on their opponents in the World Cup starting next week. Producer extraordinaire Emma letting me know Suns are plus money right now, plus one and a half. Dabble on DraftKings, check us Ooh. out at four peaks. And um, yeah, we had to table this discussion because of the shitstorm that is the Cardinals Monday morning here. <laughs> but uh, Kyler Murray, uh, will he practice this week? Will he play against San Francisco? Should he play? It's Kyler Murray versus Colt McCoy time. And I think everybody knows where the three of us stand. We're all on the same page. We don't agree on everything, but I think we're all on the same page. If Kyler Murray's healthy, you got to play him on Monday. Yet around the Valley, local media, some pundits saying, you need to bench Kyler Murray to teach no. him a lesson so he understands that it's time for you to be a big boy, Kyler, and study harder and be locked in. Look at your guy, Colt McCoy. He's the shining example. And again, no. that's your opinion. No problem. I disagree. Kyler Murray has the upside. Kyler Murray is the franchise player. Colt McCoy is great in a spot start. Colt McCoy stretched out for 17 games. No, thank you. The Browns tried that. A number of other franchises, Washington, it doesn't work. He's a backup. He's a damn good one. Kyler Murray, when he's at his best, top five to ten quarterback. And Bo Brock, if he's healthy on Monday, he plays. Yeah, and that's going to be the biggest question going forward. Let's just jump back in the DeLorean. Unfortunately, we're being kidnapped this time. They're going into 88 and taking us back. Last year, I don't think we're going to get any clarity once again. I mean, it comes back to where Kyler was with his ankle sprain last year. We're going to deal with the same nonsense as far as his his hamstring this week. Cliff says we'll see, especially now we've got two quarterbacks that are, are trying to deal with injuries because we saw Colt McCoy have to come out. We'll see what his actual injury is come Wednesday, but both of them are going to try to get out there on the practice field on Wednesday. And then according to Cliff, and obviously you're not going to get the full story, you know, they'll see where they're at as far as their availability come Monday. Cliff told us today 
DA, with this San Francisco 49ers front seven that you want Kyler at 100% that you're going to want to try to be able to avoid all those those noisemakers on the defensive line and at coming off the edges for San Francisco, that's a little concerning to me. I mean, just right off the jump, if I'm just trying to kind of just get through all the bullshit and see if there's a legit chance that Kyler Murray can play Monday night, you know, him kind of saying, you know, he needs to be 100% to go up against this stout front seven, a little concerning, and it might lead to Colt McCoy getting a second straight start. Well, I think that's a, a bit of strategy, right? I mean, you just don't yeah. know until you – I mean, I think Kyler's a guy that he's going to fill it out and see how he feels. But I think that the coaching staff feels comfortable with Colt McCoy playing, right? The team feels comfortable with Colt McCoy playing. You saw that yesterday, and I think Jalen Blair in the chat. And obviously, he's a pro-Kyler guy. I think we're all pro-Kyler pro guys, too. And he said, he, you know, it's his 13th year, and it's his 11th win. But with that, guys, I think that we all know that Kyler is dynamic. We just I think that why everyone's so happy with Colt McCoy's sec success is because they won. You know, what I mean, it's been a rarity since the Kyler. I mean, since the Cardinals won, there's we got four wins this year. Right. So anytime it's going to be to big much to do about, you know, something. When the, when the Cardinals go out there and the offense looks, you know, proficient, efficient throwing the ball and with not many mistakes and you can move the football. And I know that, you know, there was no real, real fear of the Rams scoring on offense. Right. So they could be comfortable and Colt could be back there and take command of the offense. But at the same time, I think everyone knows that his a football fan. Hopefully Kyler learns from Colt. He grows, he matures. Hopefully he's 100 percent, Bo. But Kyler gives his team the best chance to win against the 49ers on Monday night. I look at the result of yesterday, and I think house money a little bit. And not with Cliff Kingsbury, but just with this roster. You beat the Rams, albeit with John Wolford. You went into the Super Bowl champion stadium with their season on the line and one without Kyler and one without Byron and one without DJ Humphreys, right, and some other compromised players. Okay, now don't get cute and don't run it back on Monday night. Get your best players back into the fold. We talked about a bowl before the game. Those those three players I just named are, are three of their best 10 players on the can roster. we see both of them guys or is it just one or, or one or no <laughs> can we see a wolford perkins situation i mean no or, no no we cannot and if Ky no. listen kyler murray i think is going to have a sense of urgency to play sean marks dollar 99 super chat thank you so much my guy thanks for bringing me down from my what the what the f moment uh of course and this is therapy right now i thought we were going to get on the show and have a and have a fun time today victory monday and we got to say goodbye to Eno Benjamin, at least for now. But, you know, as far as Kyler Murray goes, I think I think he's a full participant in practice this week. I think he plays every snap. I think he takes the reins back and says, okay, thank you, Colt. I'm going to take over now. Because right now, I'm going to go on the national stage on Monday Night Football in a, in a stage that I think he's undefeated in his NFL career. I think the last time the Cardinals had a Monday Night Football game, it was against the Dallas Cowboys. Because did they have one last year? I can't remember, but the, remember he went to Dallas two years ago and he lit up the Cowboys at uh, Jerry World. This is where yeah, they, they lost to the Rams on Monday night last year. Oh, did, was it Monday night football? I thought yeah. I, I blocked that game out. I thought that was for the division <laughs> and I, I have no, no memory of that game. Right. Um, but Kyler Murray, Mexico City, the spotlight is on. Cardinals fighting for their season. The Rams, or excuse me, the um, 49ers think they're back, right? Jimmy Garoppolo can't throw touchdowns. Kyler can mm -hmm. come in. If he can just play mistake-free football, and if I'm Cliff Kingsbury, that's what I'm preaching today. Look at Colt McCoy yesterday. Not try to do too much. You have to take a sack, take a sack. Get the ball out quickly. Don't give it to the other team. We want yeah. you to be you, but, you know, 
we we talked about a ball in the post game yesterday. It's finding the mix of the best of both worlds with the Colt offense and the Kyler offense, which could coincidentally looks a lot like the Russell Wilson offense from Seattle, where he was under center and the run game was prominent, mm-hmm. but he also made those magician like plays when the game had to be won. Yeah, and Cliff said today that they they got the offense back to the basics with Colt McCoy. And I I think I was asking yesterday after the post game when we were thinking about what could Kyler learn from this or what could Cliff learn as far as how he could put Kyler in better position for success. We thought that this team offensively needed to just get back to the basics weeks ago. And it it it, it took them going on the road and beating the ass of the LA Rams to potentially maybe wake them up from that. Now, yeah. Colt McCoy had probably the fastest from snap to when he released the football times in the NFL all season long. There was one week where PJ Walker did it against the Rams where they got crushed by the Rams in like 16 pass attempts. He was getting rid of the football in under two seconds, but Colt McCoy was getting rid of the football in 2.1 seconds. People are like, why doesn't Kyler Murray do that? Well, you have to take, if you want Kyler Murray to drop back and get rid of the ball in 2.1 seconds, you're taking away his ability to get out and run as well. I mean, you're, you're pretty much punning on that idea. You just want them to drop back and get rid of the football. So, you know, if, if you look at Lamar Jackson, if you look at Patrick Mahomes, they're guys that hold on to the football 2.8, close to three seconds, because you know what they can do sometimes to make, they're holding out for maybe a bigger play. But I think what was shown on full display was that this Arizona Cardinals offense, what Colt McCoy does so well is is he the pre-snap and, and what he recognizes and then getting the ball in the playmaker's hands. What what's the point of surrounding these quarterbacks with these these elite these these playmakers if you're not just going to get them the football? They're the ones that are going to be making the play down the field. Uh I, I just think that if anything is to be taken away from that, sure, get a good mix of what we saw from Colt and what we know and love about Kyler Murray and his playmaking abilities. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot to, to be learned there. I think it's one is, and I don't want to get go into preparation, Bo, because I just hate yeah. when when people talk about, you know, they just question, you know, his professionalism in, in terms of Kyler. But there was, a, it seemed like there was a huge distinction between the two. And when people say get back to the basics, I mean, it wasn't. I think we didn't see a lot of penalties yesterday. We didn't see a lot of bubble screens. We just saw a lot of rhythmic timing and everybody yep. mm-hmm. being on the same page. It was right? real football. Effect- it was real football. And, and some effective runs and situational offense, right? And, and everyone looked comfortable. And I'm not, I, don't, I wouldn't say that Kyler's the issue of it or Cliff is the issue, but hopefully, I think it's a situation. Why can't we do that? What we did with, with Colt, with Kyler. And that's the only yeah. change I would make. And I, and I don't know if it's about, you know, going under center, whatever it is, but I just think that we need to do whatever it takes to make this a better football team. And, you know, Kyler needs to, you know, uh, I guess be be a, a tad bit uh, flexible in this situation and do what works and help this team win because he saw that they were productive against a good defense yesterday and that's what they've you know struggled at being consistently all year. You know, AG, Agent Forty Seven brings up a, a common comment that I've made. A lot of people have made. It seems like Cliff has a different plan when Colt McCoy plays as compared to Kyler Murray. Bo, has anybody asked Cliff Kingsbury recently or in the past that you can recall? Why, for instance, Kyler Murray does not play under center. You know, still um, Colt McCoy played predominantly in the shotgun yesterday, but Mm -hmm. in the right opportunities, booting, play action, running the football, he was under center. Why is that not an option for Kyler Murray? I think that, you know, it goes into what I said Cliff said as far as them simplifying things, getting back to the basics as far as the offense goes. And it's just a straight drop and ball gets out mentality and approach and 
with with Kyler, they're trying to give open up more opportunities for more big plays because they feel comfortable and and maybe it's just like you got to be able to walk before you can run. That's and right. I think that's, with, that's yeah. ignorance to me. You have to strip it down to the studs right or, now, or just or arrogance working. or confidence. You yeah. know, false confidence. Uh, and but I mean, Mo, doesn't the, but doesn't those plays type of happen? You know what I mean? Like, doesn't that naturally happen? Right? Like, so say no. for example, if you have rhyth- rhythmic timing plays, three step, you know, two step drops, whatever it is, and it's not there, you know, where where Colt's not going to get outside the pocket, Kyler will. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I think that that's a natural, you know, uh, type of gra- gravitation of the game, right? Like, hey, mm-hmm. that's not going to be there. Of course, maybe they give a different look. You know, they go man last minute. You know, Kyler could adjust. I'm sure that he's seen a lot different offense. I'm not yeah. sure if I buy that in terms of simplifying it. I yeah. think they just need to do it. Well, also, and Jalen Berlair makes a, a great point as far as they did that on Thursday Night Football against the Saints. And if you thought about, if you think about that game, what was happening with DeAndre Hopkins in his first game back? The the Saints were ignorant enough to believe that they could cover DeAndre Hopkins one on one, and he ate in those situations. He drew penalties in those situations. So did Last he time, know. Yeah. So did he well, know. so did he know? Sure, but <laughs> yeah. also what what Kyler Murray had the advantage of what he didn't what Seattle did the almost the entire game was the two high look right where it wasn't oh there weren't really any any uh passing lanes open and DeAndre Hopkins was pretty much taken out of the game plan you know I don't think that Colt McCoy saw that much too high yesterday as well because the 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 Rams were arrogant enough to think that Jalen Ramsey was going to be able to cover DeAndre Hopkins one-on-one that sure as shit didn't happen DeAndre Hopkins took Wait, like advantage of, of Jalen Ramsey yesterday and had a great game. So I think the defense played it differently, way differently than they probably would approach Kyler. Uh, but no, I mean, w- what needs to be kind of gathered from this win in, in Colt McCoy's performance is maybe just apply it to Kyler. Just apply it to Kyler. I I know that like he should at this point, after how the team has played offensively with Kyler Murray in the in the shotgun for this team. It, it sh- you should be humble enough and motivated enough to to have that much success, if not more. To see Colt McCoy go there and take your offense and move it unlike and is more successful than you ever were able to do that the, the entire season, it's got to motivate a guy like Kyler Murray because if it doesn't, th- then we're talking about you know an issue as far as why do why did they lock him up long term? And I, I just don't think that that's going to be the the true pr- problem. Johnny, real quick, not if you're I, not I on Twitter. That- do you, hey guys, do you think that they just do you think that they just get so enamored by Kyler's talent that yes, they forget? Hundred percent. You know what I mean? Because we've seen yeah. this type of athlete. I mean, granted, he's not a four-three guy, but we've seen Patrick Mahomes. We've seen athletic quarterbacks, right? Yeah. That do a multi, mul- multitude of things, and they're not just hey, shotgun every play. Everything's run out of the shotgun. But I mean, and we talked about this yesterday, Johnny Russell Wilson and his success that he had in Seattle, and we saw a little bit that. You know, methodology yesterday with the Arizona Cardinals and Cliff Kingsbury and Colt McCoy. Well, it's I don't like people in the chat hasn't are like, where's ha- Robbie Anderson? Because Cliff is tempted to throw to Robbie when Kyler's in there. And there was that there wasn't that temptation. Like Robbie may or may not work out for this team, but like they forced the issue when Kyler's in there and it hasn't worked. It's led to some underthrow balls. It's led to some turnover worthy plays, drops. Sly in the in the chat saying Cliff called a simplified game plan with Colt. All agree, but effective. Give him like five games and Cliff will go back to overcomplicated screens. Here's what I want to say about this. I, yesterday, for the first time all year, felt like the Cardinals won up front on both lines of scrimmage, albeit against John Wolford. Even though the Cardinals didn't run the ball effectively, I just I felt like the Cardinals were in control and they did not feel soft to me. When they play 
the style of play that they play with Kyler, not because of Kyler, but because of Cliff Kingsbury's temptations to go five wide with an offensive line that is not at full strength, they look soft to me. They look like east and west. We're going to try to manufacture and just out-athlete everybody. And there are teams that have stepped up to the Cardinals and said, the fuck you are, and they have pushed this team around. They have knocked Kyler Murray down. You think about all the sacks he has taken over the past month. It's not a Kyler versus Colt problem. It's a Kingsbury versus himself problem where he has to contextualize it and say, even though I am tempted to do this for the best interest of the team, we're going to do it this way because we can win this way. Imagine Kyler Murray in the Colt McCoy kind of scheme yesterday. Yeah, he may not have 500 yards of total offense, but maybe you're leading in the fourth quarter for once and you can lean on the run game. We've got 11 weeks now of data, 10, 11 weeks now of data. The offense before what we saw yesterday was broken, was a mishmash, hadn't eclipsed 30 points all season. You know, the two pick sixes pushed it over against the Saints was inefficient, right? It looked like something that, They didn't prepare in practice. There was no preparation. Their scripted plays were terrible. So if I'm Cliff Kingsbury, like I'm not gutting my entire playbook, but I'm looking at yesterday against a real defense. You know, Raheem Morris is getting head coaching interviews. He's a great defensive coordinator. They won the Super Bowl with him last year. That team still has Aaron Donald and Bobby Wagner and Leonard Floyd and Jalen Ramsey and the Cardinals with Colt McCoy and undersized Rondell Moore did what they wanted to do. So Cliff Kingsbury... Figure it out on Monday Night Football against Jimmy G and company, and and we'll be in good shape. It sounds like a good plan, you know. I, it does, and we're getting more. We're getting insight from a former uh, Cardinals insider as far as what when what happened with Eno Benjamin. We'll have it for you shortly, but uh, yeah, I, I always thought like when Philly had Michael Vick, it was Andy Reid, it was Mike Vick, and, and Vick was. Just coming back from his off the field issues. Vic was under the center, Kevin, though. Kevin, yeah, exactly. Kevin, Ke- it was it was a it was an offense that was built for Kevin Cobb, and Vic was running Kevin Cobb's offense with the ability to to play his jazz music, whatever you know what Michael Vick's known for, right? You yeah. just take a Kevin Cobb offense, and then they started like once they got rid of Ka- Cobb and they sold the damaged goods to to the Cardinals, unfortunately, uh, back in the day. And they built the offense around Mike Vick. I didn't. I felt like Vick, he wasn't as successful for Philly. Sure, like you know they were okay, but he was absolutely unbelievable when he was running Cobb's offense. And I feel like with Kyler Murray, if you just have a simple offense, and then when things break down, then he's able to get out there and do what he does so special. I think that that's the way to go. Uh, instead of just saying, "Hey, let's let's build this thing up, and we're just going to have it's going to be big play after big play after big play," where you know. We've seen this offense struggle on first down where if you're just keep it simple and you're taking what the defense gives you, life can be a lot easier. But guys, when you can move people around and you can show different formations and have a you know method to your madness, right? Like we keep them guessing as you wish. But when you go five wides, three wides, three by three by ones, three by twos, you know, all the, the spread sets that Kyler does, you somewhat make yourself one dimensional. Right. So defenses can anticipate and guess what you're going to do. And let me guess every third play screenplay. Let me guess a screenplay, you know, a a draw third and 20. We're going to run a draw. So I just think that with that, guys, I think that they tend to limit Kyler. And I think it just has to be a situation where I guarantee you that talk goes on. And and this is what Kyler wants to do. But I think it has to be more so a cliff thing. And he has to assert his, you know, head coachness 
and say like, hey, guys, this is what's good. This is what works. This is what we're going to do. Kyler, you're going to get un- under center. It may be uncomfortable for you, but you're, you're hiding behind the offensive line anyway. And there's a multiple thing, multitude of things that we could do offensively with you at quarterback. Frustrating, but I can tell you what's not frustrating, Bo, is our furniture in the studio. From That's right. Absolutely. I'm, we're remote right now, but my God, when we're in studio, you can see that we're, uh, we've are we got some class. We look great. We're comfortable. That's for sure, because more furniture set us up. We spruced up our studio. You can spruce up your home during more furniture's fall sale at morefurniture.com. For every $1,000 you spend, you can get a $100 gift card. Here's what you need to do. I mean, as far as your family coming to town for the holidays, Thanksgiving, maybe you got people coming to town next month for Christmas. You got to spruce up your home. Do it. Get your dining room pimped out. Get your living room situation. You know, wherever you're watching Cardinals games, spruce it up with more furniture's fall sale at morefurniture.com. Also, we're hanging out in studio. You guys are watching us. Uh, you think, man, you guys are drinking heavily. You guys are drinking an un- absurd amount of, of beers. And that's not the case because not only are we murdering our thirst, uh, we're doing it in style. We've got these yes. tall boys. They look like beer cans, but they're actually mountain spring water from our friends over at Liquid Death. So the Arizona Cardinals, they murdered the, the Rams yesterday. We murder our thirst. It's uh, it's that mountain spring water from the Alps. Liquid Death does it because it wants to help you murder your thirst and also murder plastic pollution. They'll donate 10% of their profits for every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. You can do yourself a favor. You can get yourself Free shipping on all water and all they've got some great merch, great teas up there. You can go to liquiddeath.com slash phnx. That's also that's liquiddeath.com slash phnx. They've got sparkling water, they've got uh, different flavored sparkling water. The, the their list of products is unreal. Find them at liquiddeath.com slash phnx, as well as the, the mountain spring water. You can't go wrong with our friends over at Liquid Death. Uh, we're geeked out to be partnered with them. You can find yourself some more liquid death at Target, Fries, or Sprouts. I need some liquid death right now because I'm thirsty for updates, Bo Brock. <laughs> what is the latest regarding, you know, Benjamin's release from the Arizona Cardinals today? Yeah, we were, we, we tapped into Kyle Odegaard. He tweeted out that he had more insight on Eno's release, and this is from his compare bet compare.bet article the decision was made because of benjamin's vocal displeasure with the diminishing role in the offense and that's according to multiple sources um so i mean pretty much what i mentioned earlier in the show ding, you know ding, the guy ding. the guy gets one snap uh, yesterday and it's like why you know we got Keontae ingram out snapping me he gets five snaps one carry and you know benjamin gets no carries in, in one snap and then james connor's getting 96 percent of the offensive snaps you know was Probably probably felt like he had earned it, and I don't disagree with him. You know, probably should have seen at least more PT than that, and the team was doing uh, the player a service as far as giving an opportunity to go find work elsewhere. That's shocking to me. First of all, producer extraordinaire Emma getting that graphic up, fantastic work. And then to Bo, but I have to admit Bo is right, which is also difficult for me to do uh, (laughs) after he made his point, and Damian and I shat on it in the first segment. Um, Here's what I will say. Eno and his agent must be hearing around the league that he would be a, have a prominent role if he wasn't on the Cardinals. Like other teams feel like he could go and perform for them. I'm shocked that the Cardinals said, yeah, go be successful, not somewhere else. Because that's what they're telling you right now is they don't think Eno yeah. can go and produce elsewhere. 
where they're like, we've seen you. It's or, not a big deal. Or they're just making a decision like, we, hey, we don't need you. You know what I mean? Like, oh, but they okay, do you know, need them. They don't have it, any it, it's struggling, But it's struggling. You know, it, it, it's it's tough for everybody, you know, right now. And we're just trying to find ways to win. And we go out here and we're winning a game and you're being vocal about your displeasure. I mean, James is the guy. I mean, we felt – I mean, it's all about situations, right? You know what I mean? If we got, have a guy doing, you know, Chris Paul, you know, alley-oop ad reads, we're going to get Johnny. If we need some insight for – you know what I mean? For – in the huddle, we're going to talk to Bo. Or how to throw a curveball, we're going to talk to Bo. If we want to talk <laughs> football, what it was like as a player, we're going to go to D. You know what I mean? This game is situational, right? And I think with Eno, I mean, sometimes when you, you chirp up, you got to be you got to be wary who's listening because somebody was listening, and obviously they didn't like it, and it was time for them to go. They, they don't have a surplus of backs. And I, I'm sorry if you feel like Eno Benjamin is out of turn – then that's when Kime and, and Cliff have to be like adults and say, sit him down and just say, okay, we know you're upset. We're not going to cut you. We still think you're a valuable part of this team. Let's clear the air. And to people's points in the comments, too many players leave this franchise, piss at this franchise, Guys. whether it's Patrick Peterson or Anquan Bolden or Chandler Jones. Guys. Easy, easy. Let's, let, I mean. No, no, no. And I'm just going to say that. I'm just yeah. going to put a devil's advocate, you know, real quick. And you're, Robbie not, you're Anderson, not putting Ina in that category. I know. You know what? Did, what did Robbie Anderson do in Carolina, and then what happened to him? He got sick. Oh, yeah. They shipped him out. Yeah. Well, and then the Cardinals picked him up, and he's got a roster spot. You know, Ben does it. That's not a great look. Look, Johnny. Makes sense. He he vocalized his how upset he was after he played one snap. I mean, they they won without him, and and I'm not saying that. That was justified. You know, I thought that there was a role in, in a, a good role for Reno Benjamin on this team. I, I don't think when there's a healthy James Conner that, you know, it should be a, a work share or a split, right? 50-50. But I thought it would be like 60-41 to, to keep James Conner, a guy who's been oft injured his entire career, um, healthy and, and, and fresh enough to be the guy that scored 18 total touchdowns last season and also ha- kind of bring the – what Eno brings to a football game as far as his versatility, you know, they said he, he did so well as far as pass pro. And we saw that he's, he's leading the team in, in yards per carry. So it, it, it is strange uh, as far as that goes. Now there, there is more to this <clears throat> and I'm getting more information as far as sources close to the, the situation that there is interest around uh, a guy like, Eno Benjamin to, to get claimed and that his, his, uh, his, I guess his group did not anticipate this as, at all. I mean, no one would no one would expect that to happen. I mean, I mean you don't think that. I mean, from I'm a bit old school, and I, and I remember, you know, what I mean, it comes back just some of the early conversations, you know, with my father when I was playing, and maybe wasn't getting the playing time that I deserved, and there were guys making a lot of money, and you know, sitting here now a, a, as a parent, it's like, hey, son, you know, develop that equity before you chirp off. Because you never know what's going to happen. Right now you have a check, right? You're on the field. You're playing. You know, he was returning kicks. It may not be what you want, but it's what you get. And unless you got something, you know, maybe he just felt that comfortable that, hey, that there's something better out there for me. But I don't know if I would have reacted like that after one game, right? And, I mean, this is what it is. We don't foresee him coming back on a practice squad, I mean, with severing ties under those circumstances. So, you know, you got to wish him the best. And to me, it's – it seems a bit hip- hypocritical when Robbie Anderson cusses out his coach, gets you know released, and at the same time, then he gets side by the Cardinals, and the the Cardinals 
you know, release Eno for the same, you know, issue. They give other people second chances, but, uh, you know, apparently not Eno. It's really, I mean, I get it. I get the double standard there, but, you know, he, he did it in Carolina, and this is a this is a Cardinals team that needs to know who's who's 100% bought into this. And I think a, a lot of the times, and DA, you could speak to this more than I can, it's, but anybody has this as far as, in the professional world where people feel like if, if they pay their dues, if, if they work hard enough, if they spend the time, if, if, especially in the NFL world where you're at every workout, you're at every uh, gym session, you're at every OTA, every voluntary workout. And you, and you know, with, you know, Benjamin and his fourth is his fourth season uh, for the Arizona Cardinals. You know, he, he bided Harry. his time. He, he, he did exactly what he was supposed to do. And still, you know, despite playing well, and contributing this team, his role diminished. And I understand that frustration, but at the same time, I mean, this is a results business, and, and this is a team that's at four and six. They're not six and four. They need guys to completely buy into doing whatever it takes to to get them to five and six, to six and six, and, and really change things. And if a guy's sitting there saying, after a win, why didn't I play? You know, I I, I can see how the, the organization was just like, look, you know, you're valuable us, valuable to us, but you're not DeAndre Hopkins. You're you know, you're not you're not James Conner. Even you know, you play a role. We, we can't have this right now. Well, and the problem also is, Eno was a seventh round pick, and he plays running back. And so, like, is there self awareness that needs to be had on Eno's part? Obviously, you you're confident in yourself to do the job, and but it should be. I also, yeah, but I would say. You know, but you also got to be prepared not to get a check the next week. Well, and here's <laughs> the thing. Chase Edmonds, Chase, Chase Edmonds waited his turn until about year four. He popped off, right? And Eno's only in year three. And Chase was a fourth-round pick, and then he got paid this offseason. I think, you know, you can make an argument. Like, you know, would have been under contract next year. I mean, pending a coaching change, I believe they would have probably brought him back. James Conner is the one, I think, with the injuries and everything, like, could he be cut with the salary, whatever? Like, if I'm Eno Benjamin, I'm just like, I just got to keep doing what I'm doing. But I'm not Eno, and I don't know his situation, and I'm trying nice. to play devil's advocate here of, like, what – you think – does he think his market is robust enough that he's going to go somewhere and be a, a, a major player? I guess I guess he does. I, and, I, and I don't know, but Agent 47, had, you know, said it in the chat, you know, Greg Dorch will be next. And, and I, I want to use I don't think Greg Dorch will be next, but I want to use him as an as an example. I mean, look at his involvement early on in the year and what he was able to do. And I mean, now his role is special teams punt returner. And I'm yeah. sure he's not happy with that because he know that he can, he can be a contributor at a high level and help this team win ball games. But we talk about this, Bo, Johnny, at length when, you know, other superstars came back you know like this team was you know two and four or whatever when hop came back right and then you know they were able to they, they were still what three three and five with with yeah. you know or, or or you know what i mean three and five with you know so it wasn't like they were you know rushing for 100 yards every game i think that we saw sparks you saw productivity you saw what you wanted and he played better than a seventh round draft pick and i just he think did that, unfortunately it was a circumstance but it doesn't feel good about because he played so well too and then you just you know signed He's Robbie local. Anderson. He's local, right, too, and, you know, and you signed Robbie Anderson, who basically did the same thing on national television. And if I'm and Steve Kime, it's like I am shitty in the draft. I'm not a good draft. <laughs> and I found somebody in the seventh round that can play. How many seventh rounders has he found that can do it, that can even make the team? That's why we were singing, you know, Kime's praises with, you know, a couple of weeks ago. I'm like, 
found a gem, right? Where would, you know, Benjamin go if the draft was redrafted? He was a prospected third round, fourth round pick, and we got him in the seventh, and he looks good. And he's being talked about as a 1A back to James Conner. And then three weeks later, he's <laughs> off the team. It's, it blows my mind. And I think all of this to say, Keontae Ingram, I think, is going to perform. I think he runs violently. I'm excited to see him in an expanded role. But I, I didn't want it to be at the cost of, you know, Benjamin, who at the end of the day, I, I did not envision this ever happening. I, I, don't, know, I don't know how the Cardinals are going to rationalize it if something happens to James Conner. I just you're you're going to be in a position where you were behind the eight ball already with two quarterbacks now that are hampered due to injury, an interior offensive line that has trouble getting a push, and you're cutting healthy backs that know your system that have been entrenched in it for three years. Make it make sense. Make it make sense to me. Um, before we go, I want to do a segment. We had to push it all the way back. We're gonna do it now <laughs> because everybody loves it. It's PFF grades, notable grades from yesterday's win. Dun, 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 dun. Awesome to see these people shine in the win at LA yesterday. And I put all the shining stars out yesterday because look at those grades. Everybody in the chat earlier, where's Maze Sanders? Oh, he's right here, kicking ass, 87.8 PFF grade. How about my guy, Antonio Hamilton? You talk about him and Byron Murphy, one two punch, 90.1 yesterday against Bald. Cooper Cup. The best cornerback performance, and I love Byron, of the year for this team. Now, I know it was John Wolford. Then you look at Zayvon Khan's Isaiah Simmons, just like chef's kiss, back-to-back first-round inside linebackers, and that's how it's done. And, and their grade, what I love most about it, Bo, is their grades aren't propped up by like a pick six or a forced fumble. It's just like, yeah, those guys played. They played the majority of the snaps, and they produced, and you love to see yeah. it. Yeah, I talked to Antonio Hamilton today. I mean, talk about a guy who's been had a roller coaster of a season from training camp to now, you know, he, he earns the the cornerback two job, uh, you know, across from Byron Murphy. And then he has the freak accident in his kitchen, works his way back from that, has to work his way back in the football shape. And then he gets this opportunity with Byron Murphy having the back issue and shuts down the triple crown winner in receiving in, in Cooper Cup yesterday Holds him to to what minus one yards receiving on three catches, just an incredible job. Ten tackles, ten uh, just just to- tackles for him. Eleven total tackles on the game, and then he's got a kid do it during the bye week. I mean, the guy's packing a lot into this 2022 season, and a guy that was pretty much last on every depth chart his entire career. Now at 29, he's having the best season of his life and had probably the best game of his life yesterday. A tip of the captain, Tony Hamilton, really great story. And as you, as you mentioned, the back-to-back first round, uh, linebackers having solid games, and uh, and, and Rondell Moore being that compliment to to DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, another his the last three weeks of Rondell Moore have been very very good. You got to be really encouraged by that. Guys, I like the fact that we see Colt McCoy on there. Anytime that you have your quarterback, <laughs> your starting quarterback on, you know, grading high, that usually means that you're going to be in the game or doing something well. And in, in, in addition to the young talent, Jay Sanders, he just seemed as though that, you know, as you mentioned, Johnny, not making super pick sixes or, you know, fumble recoveries for touchdowns, whatever, just playing good football. And then that offensive line, you know, had to compat against Aaron Donald only gave up two sacks and which allowed Colt McCoy to be so efficient and have the grade that he did. And as you mentioned, Bo, Rondell Moore being Rondell Moore, seeing that explosiveness, breaking tackles and finding ways to get him in space. And 
that offensive line. I'm, I'm, I'm going to stick with that. And Antonio Hamilton, you know, in a major way, John, as you said, the highest grade all season, just good to see him come back through that ad- adversity and just continue to show up. I mean, I don't think that he just stopped him. I'm sure breaking a leg potentially, yeah. you know, stop Cooper cup too, but yeah. to show up like he did was major, you know, in, in those circumstances. And that's all you can do control what you can and, and make plays. We, we, we love what we've seen so far this season, obviously from the interior of this defensive line, guys like J.J. Watt, Zach Allen. We've been waiting for this these, these edge rushers, these outside linebackers to pop, and there were some veterans that were standing in the way of a pair of third-round picks, a uh, chance to get on the playing field. And between Maje Sanders and Cameron Thomas, they saw 68% of the snaps yesterday. That's a huge uptick. And Maje Sanders with the strip sack that should have been a touchdown uh, that the referee even apologized to J.J. Watt for for blowing dead at the time before the half. Um, you know, it's it's good to see those guys. And then Dennis Gardeck and, and Victor Dumakeji, guys that were have either been tough to get on the field or have been underperforming, they only played 14 combined snaps. So we're seeing more and more of those third-round picks seeing the playing field opposite uh, Marcus Golden. They're backups. Uh, Victor Dumakeji's a backup. He was a six-round pick. Kudos to him being on the team. Good for him. Dennis Gardeck, I think, you know, is a specialty player we've talked about. He's a relief pitcher. Come in on third downs occasionally, get a couple sacks here and there. Did He he got that contract in the offseason, so he deserved it. You are what you get in life, what you negotiate, not what you deserve. But I think we're seeing now Dennis Gardeck has limitations. He's not an every-down pass rusher. Mize Sanders is 6'5", what, 250, 260, played at Cincinnati, a national contender. And every time he plays, it's not just the sacks. It's like the holding penalties. He's disruptive in the backfield. He's long, right? He looks, and he's built kind of like Chandler Jones. I'm not saying he is Chandler Jones, but like he looks like what they want to have, prototypical three, four outside linebacker. And it was past due time that Vance Joseph woke the hell up and said, yeah, our pass rush on the interior is good. Watt and Allen, who both, by the way, were productive yesterday, but our edge pressure sucks and it's not getting better. And we haven't replaced Chandler Jones, who, by the way, has half a sack. For the Ravens this year, <laughs> Isaiah Sanders more sacks than Chandler Jones. Guys, you remember that one song? Song back to life. That's right. Back to reality. However, do you guys remember that? Is that Sticks? Who is that? Is that, is that yeah, I don't know who it is, but <laughs> it, but, but, <laughs> but it's appropriate because with the Arizona car. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm I'm happy with the productivity, and it's a great game as we talked about, like like it was against Carolina Panthers, right? That's when you're going to play the young guys, see what they can do because there's not really that many threats offensively. Yes, there's Cooper Cup, but there's Wolford, uh, you know, and Perkins throwing them the football. It's not it's not Stafford, right? So that you know that you're going to have a little bit more ability to play the young guys and get them the ball. So a real test is going to be Monday night against the San Francisco 49ers. I know that we haven't, you know, had much time to talk about. It. I know that you guys will throughout the week, but the real test, because we talked about that, can you stop the run and can you stop their tight ends? It doesn't matter if Jimmy G throws a touchdown or not. They're 10-2 and two when he doesn't. So, I mean, I don't know if that even – you know that that's a thing, right? How's that a thing? But you got to stop that tight end, and you got to stop stop running. The, you got to stop the ability to run the football. If I never have to hear the word cleat, cleat Blakeman, Blakeman, Beekman, yeah. uh, I will uh, be a happy guy. Cleat, <laughs> cleat, uh, name in twenty twenty two. And listen, if your name's Cleat, I apologize, but I don't want to see Cleat Blakeman officiating any more Cardinal games because it felt like the Cardinals were having to play both the Rams and the officials. Yesterday, and thankfully, you don't have to do that if you're playing Underdog Fantasy, by the way. You sign up with promo code PHNX. Underdog Fantasy, get this, friends, is going to double your first deposit up to $100 using only the promo code 
PHNX. And if you're sick of like the stereotypical fantasy football, like you're in it, you're sledging through the entire year, half your team's hurt. Get this. You can dabble on underdog fantasy every single game day. You can buy insurance like my guy, Bull Brock, just in case multiple legs of your parlay doesn't hit and boom, you're in the clear. PHNX is the promo code to use. Receive a pot deposit up to $100. That's underdog fantasy promo code PHNX. Get in on the action today. I thought we were going to be able to have a nice little Monday show. <laughs> we were going to put a bow on it. It was going to be uh, fruitful. And then I got articles about Colt McCoy needs to play over Kyler Murray indefinitely. Arf. We've got we've got we've got news on uh, Zach Ertz, unfortunately, being done for the year. And then, of course, the headliner for those of you who, who just joined us, you know, Benjamin cut by the Cardinals over disputes on playing time, which would suggest, you know, will likely not be back with this team. You hate to see it, but we love to see all of you. Be sure to leave a like button down below. Give it a little mm -hmm. like. Helps circulate all the old YouTube algorithm. Subscribe to us on PHNX Sports on YouTube. And most importantly, subscribe to the PHNX Cardinals podcast, your premier Arizona Cardinal podcast. Like, subscribe. Leave us a five-star review. For Bo Brock, Damian Anderson, I'm Johnny Venerable. We're back tomorrow, audio only. Then we got hard knocks on Wednesday. The content never stops. We'll see you there.